everyone. So, uh, Jacob, and, um, I'm here with uh, a great mentor and someone who really um, led me on this journey of uh, entrepreneurship at Babson College, uh, Rebecca Obono. Um, I, I will consider her as a as a legend of mine, and yeah. I think I think she <laughs> I think she has a lot that we uh, to share that we can learn from. Uh, Rebecca Obono actually started a very uh, a very amazing NGO in Haiti um, called Community for Haitians Entrepreneurs and Startups, uh, Shares Inc. And she actually works at MIT, and she'll talk a lot more about that. And she also started a very uh, recently she started the hot sauce uh, business as well. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about that on, on the pod today. And uh, So welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be invited here. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, we, we always start by just saying a little bit about ourselves, where we grew up, and you know, just like our childhood experience. If you can share a little bit about that, I'll be grateful. I love that you ask because when people ask me about myself, I always go back to childhood because that impacted me so immensely and set me up on the course and 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 where I am today. So I was born in uh, the Cambridge, uh, in Cambridge actually, um, Massachusetts, um, daughter of Haitian immigrants. So I knew Cambridge before. Um, before Kendall Square was anything, like Kendall Square <laughs> used to be the end of the world, essentially. And um, it ended at the ice cream store called Tuscanini's um, and at, at its original location. Um, for those who know Cambridge, they'll know what I mean. And then um, my parents moved the family back to Haiti. Um, so they moved back, well, for my siblings and I, it was a completely, um, cult, you know, culture shock and in different experience. And we, they didn't even just move us back from, you know, from like Cambridge, we're in Cambridge, we lived in, in Southern um, Massachusetts uh, uh, for a little bit or South Shore, I should say. Um, so like the Randolph area, they, they chose to move us from um, urban, suburban to rural. Yeah. So it wasn't like <laughs> capital, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, you know, where you can, you can, there's certain things you can sort of be reminded of is in the U.S. like, no, rural Haiti. Um, yes, it was a shock. We went from public school to private school to um, everything was different, but we um, grew to love it. And um, while there, um, I was there, it was during my teenage years. So really the best time you can move it, you know, uproot a child and, and, and plop them into something completely different. Best time. Um, and while I was there, we, um, my, my mom ended up starting a, a social venture because um, one, the family needed a stream of income. Two, there was an opportunity that presented itself to her. We ended up moving by circumstance into a home that was built by a uh, by a doctor, a missionary doctor. Um, and it was part of the contract for my dad's new job. He was working at his alma mater at a Christian university. And so this doctor had built a component of a clinic component into his house. So he used to run, um, he provide uh, uh, um, essential health care there. 
and 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 then UN soldiers lived there before we did, and they had um, some sort of medicine donation program. And then we moved in. My mom happened to be a nurse. Uh, she happened to have brought some supplies, some medical supplies for the family. But then she found herself, you know, giving, um, you know, giving uh, some supplies away because people just automatically started coming down when they were in need, some of the neighbors. And so my mom found herself treating folks. She also worked in a, at a, a, a um, missionary hospital that was very um, popular back in the day and would receive hundreds of patients. And often uh, after morning triage, hundreds of patients would be just waiting on the hospital grounds, waiting to be seen by the doctor the next day often, you know, because they didn't make triage. So she saw that, hey, I have this capacity as a nurse and these here these people are not too far from my home. I have, I can, um, you know, open this clinic so she opened a clinic that was, uh, you know, a primary care clinic, a one-stop shop, uh, pretty much for for folks, because she um, put in some basic medicines, over-the-counter medicines there. Um, she partnered with a local um, lab person, who, who a lady who would carry her lab materials in a in a school <laughs> lunch bag. I remember that. <laughs> And then she hired a, a high school student who had a dream of becoming a nurse um, from the um, one of the neighboring communities, and and ran a like a legit um, operation where she would see on average like a hundred people a day. The max she saw in a day was four hundred, um, and it, it was a beautiful impact that she had on the community for several years while this operation was open. And it also brought in a much needed stream of revenue for the family to be able to sustain us while we were in Haiti, because we were, my dad was, you know, he was a, he had a job, but it, it brought just a modest income into the family. And um, we're a family of six, four kids. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we ate a lot, so uh, they needed to feed us. So that's, that's, that is really the big story of my childhood that ended up, um, you know, basically it, it, it led me to look to go to business school because I saw the impact of what a business could do in a community. And I didn't know that it was social entrepreneurship. I didn't know that it was women empowerment at that time or, or whatnot, but it was beautiful to me. And so that's, I wanted to do something like that. For sure, for sure. And I think um, just beyond that, uh, I didn't actually know this about you, but uh, yeah. it's, it's really, no, honestly, it's I'm really, uh, it says a lot about your character, like you're very hardworking, you have, you know, some, like when you, when you set your mind on something, you do really well. Um, that passion of yours to actually uh, get something done, but something that has social impact, um, it actually makes a lot more sense to me now, uh, just hearing that childhood story. Um, you know, it was ingrained in you as a child. Um, it's just really good to kind of kind of finally know, like, you know, where is that coming from? And I think you 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 clearly give like the reason why. And I'm really I'm really grateful to your parents for for giving us yeah, someone like you in, in this world that, you know, from what you're doing, I'm gonna talk a little bit about all the other things you're doing, but it makes a lot of sense. So thanks. 
Thanks for sharing. Oh my gosh, you just gave me goosebumps. Thank you to my parents too. That's right. Yeah. Sure. So will you say your mom uh I'm guessing your dad do you will you say your parents or your mom actually like is someone you looked up to? Um Yeah. Absolutely. My mom, like I absolutely adore my mom. <laughs> we're 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 besties and then sometimes we're frenemies and you know. Um I love my dad. My dad is a very kind person, generous, uh, warm. Um and and so it was, you know, I took a lot and learned a lot from my parents growing up and, and seeing them in Haiti and how they treat everyone, you know, like teaching us to that every person is a person, every person is human and, and deserves to be treated with dignity, just not just because we had all of the fetid. I mean, we, we came from working class, um, you know, in the U.S. and all of a sudden we were privileged in Haiti. And, um, and 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 encountering people in with levels of poverty we've never even imagined, right? So um, they they instilled a lot of values in us that I'm so grateful for. For sure, certainly. And so, when did you come back to the United States? Uh, was this for college or just straight up Babson? I know before Babson worked at MIT. So yeah, exactly. So I came to col- college. I actually came the, to um, the U.S. the for the last year of high school. So um, I went to Brockton High School for my last year. Um, met a um, amazing mentor. His name was Terry Carter in the in, in the organization called Inroads. Inroads. Um, and yeah, so uh, I got a scholarship to um, attend Bentley College, now Bentley University, and uh, and then after that. Um, did a very tiny stint in corporate America, um, and in that company, it, it ended up not being formed. I don't know if I if I wasn't say if it was the company wasn't for me, but more so the culture. You know, like I, I I don't think any company isn't necessarily for someone, but I think cultures can drive people away. So that company culture wasn't a welcoming one, and I decided to leave. And I, back then I could do that. I was living at home. <laughs> now I can't be like, I'm leaving. Um, I got bills to pay. But um, yeah, so I left. And then shortly after that, joined um, MIT. And um, in particularly in Sloan Executive Education, where I worked for many years. And after that, I, that was, um, you know, actually while working at MIT, I um, decided to uh, um, attend Babson to to um, to get my earn my MBA um, at the school, and um, and and that was when I met Professor Wilgina Glover. <laughs> I went to Uganda, and she while there, she's like, "I think you'd be good for this role." And I was like, "Oh, so that's how I got it. Uh, that's how I, I found myself working at Babson and the Lewis Institute in uh, global healthcare entrepreneurship." before it was a center. And then um, by happenstance ended up at MIT again at the public service center, working with, uh, you know, running the social innovation programming. Um, I didn't think I would return to MIT, but here I am. Um, And I love the background. for just uh, just a little bit about Babson, what was it like, I mean, beyond working at Lewis Institute and Dr. Wajina, of course, uh, someone that I also got to interact with. And uh, both of you 
helped me to be a gander. So I think that the fact that you guys met also impacted so many lives downstream. Um, but, you know, how was Babson for you? And kind of if there were two, like two main takeaways from your Babson experience, what kind of lowest institute with Dr. Wajina, Sherry Kaiser? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so the Babson experience was, as a student was like truly, I, I think I got, I made the most out of it. I was able to get what I wanted to get out of it. Um, and it's hard to do sometimes as a part-time student, um, but for for part of my, um, like while I was finishing, I think my last year or year and a half at Babson, um, in, in my studies, I ended up working there. And I, and I was grateful to have been able to be working and going to school at Babson because I was able to um, benefit from the day classes. Whereas if, you know, when I was in Boston mm-hmm. and some of the really cool day classes that were happening on main campus that were not available on the Boston campus, I couldn't access them. So that was, um, you know, that was frustrating as an evening student. But and then um, that was one of the um, blessings of of transitioning to to Babson. So I, you know, I traveled at um, during my studies at Babson in the short term study abroad courses, which I was grateful that I could do. I went to, I think, two, um, two courses, um, one in Brazil, one in Singapore, and then, uh, oh yeah, three, then there was um, Uganda with um, Professor Glover, and that was where I was learning about global healthcare entrepreneurship. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what my mom did, and <laughs> and and Babson in general with entrepreneurial thought and action, it made entrepreneurship accessible to me, and, and not not only to me, but to everyone, and it was able to show me oh like it gave me language to talk about what I grew up seeing right and then it also um it was also empowering in that anyone everyone has this capacity they just um maybe aren't unaware that that's how they're operating in certain situations particularly when they're um solving a problem or um or you know creating opportunities or or things like that um th- those were i'd say the major things i'd come out about babson with that's pretty cool i didn't know you went to singapore that's a that's a good spot <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> from you asked, now i'm telling you uh, i mean before getting to the ngo and also um, just a few questions about the the new business you started uh, with your husband and also um uh, just a little bit about um, your work now at MIT. But I also just want to let everyone know if, you know, uh, your impact at Babson has really, uh, you know, like what you did at Lois and um, and helping students, working with students like me has really gone a long way. And I learned so many things from you, intangible things that at that time I didn't really value and I didn't really understand. Um, why you were so, you know, disciplined and, you know, sometimes you know, making me do the work on time. But now getting just getting older, I realize like those are things that you really need to succeed, not just as an entrepreneur, but as a person. So just really wanted to appreciate that. And you always look out for people too. So which I think as entrepreneurs out there, having that people skills is something that you have clearly emulated through Babson uh, as a mentor and also as a supervisor. So really appreciate that. Um, 
So now going to shares, uh, if when did you start it and how was uh, the experience like maybe going uh, going back to Haiti to work with entrepreneurs and startups? Sure, sure. Um, so thank you for your kind words. You're literally making me blush. If you <laughs> continue, I might tear up. So um, so as far as excuse me about that. Oh, um, that was actually my mom. She thinks I'm not Um so um uh, regarding um the regarding chess i um started chess shortly after i joined um uh, mit originally in 2008 so i joined mit 2007 and then 2008 like it, it, i um had in, incorporated the organization and of course leading up to it there were there was some activity and um it it was started you know first I, I felt like it was a calling and I felt like it was a calling from God so um I entered the work and I still like with that purpose and I still feel like I'm driven by um you know like a calling and at first it was more you know like this is God calling me um I still feel called to Haiti but I don't know that I I would um describe it in the same way like I don't know that I would say it's necessarily you know Jesus Christ told me to do you know like I because I learned a lot throughout the years about um you know religion and and how religion has actually um uh actually been to the detriment of of in some cases of um progress in Haiti and just learned so much along the way but anyhow I was called and I still feel called to Haiti and um that's what you know that again like my experience seeing what i saw the love i have for the country something i didn't know like i didn't know so much about the beauty of the country and the beauty of the people the beauty of the history and what it means for the world and what it means for the us i didn't know all of that and um and it's not something that you'll necess you'll necessarily learn in schools um, outside <laughs> of haiti so um so I started chess uh, because I felt like, okay, with the business degree I'd gotten, I wanted to make sure it benefited um, people in Haiti. And by that time, my parents had returned. I actually had thought that I would actually go back to Haiti and start a business. But because my parents had returned and they felt uncomfortable with their daughter um, going to start a venture by herself in Haiti, they're not there. So I was like, okay, how do I do this? So that's how the the um, for purpose, 501c3. I hate the word nonprofit, so that's why I'm not going to say it. Um, got started, and 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 I and I had help along the way. You know, I had different mentors. I had um, some a friend come in who was one of the like this force of nature, this beautiful person, beautiful soul who had started up organizations before, like um, registered them. And she's like, "Oh, let me help you get registered." So that that was simply how we got um, registered through the help of someone who'd done it before. And then um, and then different people came in along the way. Um, another friend who uh, was getting a law degree, she helped us put the 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 legal structure together um, in in the 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 necessary paperwork. And then um, while at MIT, uh, interestingly the where I work now in running the program that I run, it had just recently, it, well, it wasn't recently launched, but I learned about it 
um, while I was working and it's, it's an inclusive program. And I remember putting like pitching an idea about um, not about the organization, but actually about uh, like a, a solution that could potentially, um, you know, potentially help provide access like a text jobs to mobiles. Like it was something like that. And um, so I put, I pitched that solution out there and then I had an MIT Sloan student reach out to me. He's like, this is great. I want to do something different, like something like this. And he was of Haitian descent too. And we were like, let's do it. Um, and so it, that didn't work out for, for us to work together in that way. But his wife was a lawyer at a law firm and he introduced me to her and then they helped us get the 501c3 status. So like people along the way helped us, helped helped me move forward and quickly it became less about me and my, the vision I have but it was actually our vision for Haiti it's like people who have this shared vision and we want to see this through so we at, at first we were um at first we we said we wanted to accompany a startup from um uh, uh, from like basically plan to launch and we 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 did that and learned a lot of lessons through the, like through there because of some of the um, American business lessons that I was taught and all that just don't apply in Haiti and and it was you know I think it was um it was a very trying process for me for the entrepreneurs who were women um out of the university that my dad was an alma mater um particularly more trying for them as they were going through the motions of being an entrepreneur and and facing the obstacles that they had to face in in Haiti, a a setting that isn't um, necessarily, um, you know, the the most welcoming for business, you know. So you, you to be an entrepreneur in Haiti, you have to be so perseverant, so resilient. Um, And, and, you know, and, and obviously all of the other things of opportunity demand, like all of that applies, but there's a, there's a, a depth of strength that is required um, that, you know, you need some, you need some, like, you need some higher power to hang on. And I saw (laughs) these women hang on and, um, and eventually they ended up closing the business they started. And the business was a, uh, a natural food store and um, a a natural food store selling local goods. And what was distinctive from them and like the open markets um, and and, and finding that there is that they really made sure to clean, take out any debris, um, really made sure to label and, and package things right. And they were in the com- in a community in rural Haiti. So like a person didn't have to travel miles to try to get this product from, you know, like this Haitian, that should be a local product. It was there. Um, the, the thing that was difficult is the pricing because it, it was far more expensive than subsidized produce coming from the US and DR. And then the other thing too is the subsidized produce of like what they call the rice dump or or like the produce dump into Haiti really made it really uneconom- uneconomical for um, the agricultural sector, particularly rice and and be, like all of that sector really shrunk 
because they could not compete with the prices that were subsidized from other countries. And so <clears throat> this business couldn't last with a supply chain that really was unstable. And then, and then the pricing being high. And then also, you know, there were other barriers that these women face as a women-owned business in a uh, patriarchal society, things that, you know, like one of the, one of the things too, that I learned is, you know, we, we did like a very American launch with them and, and, and I made the mistake of insisting, yeah, let's do this. Let's do an, an opening. Let's do a marketing event. Let's invite the community in. And the community was like, they have lots of money. They've got money flowing in from America, which was, they had only gotten a modest, um, you know, a modest loan from us, which was $5,000. Um, we ended up writing down a lot of it after um, the, the, the business um, folded, but they ended up paying about five, 500 US back. And that ended up going um, into a, a venture later. The whole point of what Chess was trying to do in the beginning was to do what they call now an evergreen fund there was no such term as evergreen fund. I didn't meet anyone who was telling me this. And I'm saying, this is what I want to do. I want to start this pool of money, make sure you work with entrepreneurs, get them started, and then they pay back and then it pays forward. And, um, and then maybe a small amount of it helps run the operations. Yep, yep. Nobody was trying to work with me on that really. <laughs> so, so we did that one, you know, we got through that one experience, but what, what we found was that the business training was something that was in demand and people would ask us to, to come and train in different parts of the country. So we found ourselves kind of almost like consultants going to different parts of the country training. And um, we tried to be thoughtful in that, you know, we didn't wanna be a, you know, a kind of like a helicopter in and helicopter out. We wanted to, we made sure that we were working with organizations that were, you know, long, had a long-term um, a presence on the ground. And so even, and even with that, we found like mm, moderate, you know, like results as far as how like people practicing what was taught. So um, even, even if you, like it, it taught me so much about, even if you do work with that long-term partner, you have to ensure that the partner has the capacity to help move, continue things forward. Um, it was nice to be able, we, we were too small. I couldn't do like a lot of return or, you know, like in, um, metrics, how do you say, um, evaluation and monitoring and evaluation. We couldn't do a lot of it. We were able to do it in one instance. And we, we were happy with, um, with the one instance to see the, the um, one, uh, one group of women that we worked with in, in the central part of Haiti to see some of the outcomes, how they were running their informal businesses. Um, and, and often too, like the, the, the women we trained tended to be in, you know, they tended to be an informal, in the informal sector. So the business we worked with at the, at the, um, at first, we, that became a legal business. We worked with them from plan to getting the you know, all of the necessary paperwork, et cetera. And then working um, as a, you know, independent training service, we were um, basically um, working with women in, in the informal sector, varying degrees of education. So, turn, so um, turning what, you know, turning our curriculum into something that really worked for 
people to understand and the mother tongue language um, in, you know, so that anybody that could joined that they could take something away and they could be able to apply it in their venture. Um, so that was really important to us. And I, and I had, again, along the way, I, I ended up meeting Professor Michel Degas in, in, um, at MIT, a linguistics um, activist and, 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 and advocate um, and, and advocate for the mother tongue language, learned so much from him. Um, one of the things, one of the treasures that my um, dad particularly made sure the family had was that we all um, learned to speak, write, read, write Creole. Back when I was growing up, I was like, why do I need to do this? Nobody speaks Creole. And like, other than our like small community, I wasn't going to school and they were speaking Creole um, in US or even when I was in Haiti, because we were all in, you know, American school. But it's like, no, everybody. And I, I completely um, respect that today. And if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have been able to run chess the way we did it in the way that I think that was valuable to the communities. So, um, so yeah, we, we, I use that skill, Michelle, who is um, one of the people who are, are basically pioneering and, and, and like setting the structure for the language and actually now getting it declared a a, a legitimate language instead of a pigeon. And that's a whole other thing, um, but it's, it's fascinating. And it's also fascinating because for the longest time, French was the, 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 the um, colonizer language, French was the legal language in Haiti. And so education, all the systems were running the colonizer language, but less than 10% of the population actually speak French or understand it, but everyone understands the mother tongue language. So all of that fed into the organization's work. And finally, um, the last project we worked on, um, which, you know, which we um, stepped out of at the end of 2020, yep, 2020, is uh, was uh, the second legal business that we helped um, get off the ground, a poultry farm in Southern Haiti. And, um, and we, we worked with, this time we worked with donors. The first time we didn't have that, we didn't have a lot of donors, um, major donors. There was my church, Jubilee Christian Church that supported. And, and I love that community with every fiber in me for um, them supporting us. And it was very much community um, supported like so it was like community or um, business supported by a community and mostly a black community in the in the U.S. and so just truly um, humbling um, so this time we were we got some major grantors and went through years of of different obstacles um, and and the community again being that like finding that that resilience, that perseverance to move forward um, and get get started. So, oh, no, thanks so much for sharing that. And I think you mentioned the word <clears throat> resilience, perseverance, and also I think uh, the organization itself was a people's-led organization, which people, <clears throat> which for most most instances, people think they can do it by themselves, but you really uh, uh, co-partnered with the locals. Uh, Along the way, I think your vision was bigger than what you envisioned yourself. Like this is something that was bigger than you and you actually embraced that early on. And I think that's something that people really need to understand and learn 
from um i think one other thing that's re- just really impressive is um i know this this uh the nigerian author ifosa uh, the book prosperity paradox i kind of see that in your story specifically for this thing starts with you came with the mindset of like efficient innovation then you moved to sustaining innovation then you went to market creating innovation by absolutely yeah absolutely his book when i read that book i was like oh my god thank you Finally, people are meet like theory, like Western theory that's meeting, you know, like developing or or low resource contexts where they're at, you know, and applicable. Um, so I think that's such an important text. And when I read it, I was like, <laughs> I told everybody, and it was so funny around the Haitian circles, how much that book was getting circulated. Um, and how much people appreciated it because it was it just resonated it resonates with our context you know for sure now just diving now into your work at MIT I see your background celebrating our 20th year the PKG ideas can you just talk a little bit about that and how you right so I told you I didn't expect to be back in MIT Um, but uh, one day I was unsubscribing from an email and then I saw this funny (laughs) title um it it said (laughs) it said assistant dean of social innovation pkg center i was like what i was like (laughs) i just clicked on it just out of curiosity and then um saw the the job is i was like huh this is kind of everything i've done um when i think about my chess experience the mit sloan experience my babson experience and um, and then also things that I wanted to do. So it was all wrapped up in one. And I was like, well, I'm interested. And it was it, it felt like a, a good, you know, when you feel like your next step is coming, I kind of knew that something was going to change for me in that period during my life. And I was like, I think this is it. So I, I literally just found people on LinkedIn and you know, having known MIT quite well, like knew where, how to search the sites to get phone numbers. I called people, I think one of the, the leaders in the organization, she's like, how does, like, she's like, hello. And I was like, hi, I am so-and-so. She was probably like, who is she? And how did she get my number? Why is she calling me? People are so, um, People are, are surprised nowadays when people call. It's like, wait, why are you why are you texting or emailing first? You know, like I totally jumped like the etiquette bar there. Um, and right. yeah, so it's essentially, yeah, I I I applied and um and and here I am. And the work that I do, I bring all of those things. I'm, it's very informed by by the by the needs of the impacted and not trying to do top-down social innovation, which I think now the world is starting to come to a reckoning with that that's what's been happening. And top-down innovation often is um, the privilege telling the impacted what to do and how it should look, even though often the privilege are are privileged because of, of histories, very violent histories that gave them that privilege and took away from, um, you know, ancestors of, of people bearing the brunt of, of um, you know, of history, like in Haiti, colonization, <laughs> slavery, <laughs> you know? Um, so really having seen 
firsthand the struggles in Haiti and what it's what the implications have been to support entrepreneurship, particularly in rural parts and and where people don't necessarily have access to to um, quality education or even healthcare, you know, food, that sort of thing. Um, so bringing that perspective to the programming and in a center that really is trying is really does push uh, the students to think about ethics and to think about communities in a way that is um, that is uh, uh, you know very thoughtful and 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 respectful. So it was really great to find a home to be able to bring that perspective in and and really shape the program that um, that the programming that I'm running um, in that way. And so um, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, basically I inherited a 20 year old program. Um, it was, well, it was a student competition that I I'm, I've turned into a student program for, and I call a pracademic program for student social entrepreneurs um, at MIT. And um, it's in its 20th year now. Um, I've been at its helm for um, for like two years and, and, and now I'm running the third academic cycle. Um, so, so yeah, at least at least uh, when I jumped in, it was like at the final bit of that year. And then now I took over the next two cycles. So I'm seeing the third academic cycle through and, um, and have, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Like I'm, I feel like I wish I would be, a, I could be a student so I could take the program. <laughs> so I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I also, and, and I'd, I'd say I work with other, um, you know, part-time students from either MIT or other institutions that we hire to support to run it. We really have a skeletal crew um, and we work with hundreds of volunteers in a year to, to get through it all. And um and I'm grateful, you know, that even the people I work with, they're passionate about it. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that too. No, definitely. I think you're the right person for the job. Uh, just when you open up, uh, serious, oh, yeah, not to <laughs> the right timing. It was the right timing, the right purpose, and it aligned with everything you've done in the past. So I do think, you know, me you know, just just you keep on doing. Just being you in that role is, is amazing. So thank you so much. <laughs> so I have to talk about Obuno Enterprises and I just be yes, able. yes, yes. Um, pretty cool. It's, I love your emails; they're very interesting. <laughs> 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 that just that is very like inviting, and um, it speaks a lot about just how you can bottle your business and entrepreneurial uh, spirit into you know creating something that's really uh, really cool. So. Uh, if you don't mind sharing about uh, Obono Enterprises and um, yeah, sure. Um, so you know, Obisauce. Uh, Obisauce. yes, Obisauce. Like so, Obisauce is we haven't. Um, we're in in our beta stages, so we don't know if we're gonna go with Obisauce. Like for example, we spoke, we got feedback from a, a chef the other day, and they said, "Well, Obisauce makes me think about like um, women go to their Obis." when and, I, and we're like oh we didn't think about that but to tell you um where where the name my husband's name is Patrick and my our last name is Obunu um he's Cameroonian like you yes and <laughs> his um his friends call him Obi so 
um, you know, family calls him Obi. And so, um, so basically we're like, this is Obi sauce. So it was like Obi sauce, like for now, like, cause we're trying to figure out where does it fit in the market, you know, all that stuff. But um, so that's how the name is there, like the beta name. Um, so, but for years, my husband and I have said we wanted to, to run a business together. We have like goals, financial goals for our family. Um, and we wanted to grow our family. And part of the reason why I, I decided to um, pause chess, it was for us to do that. And in, in fact, I don't think I had a chance to tell you yet. I'm six months pregnant. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, we're expecting a, a boy at the end of June. So, um, you know, like we, this was our, like, this was something that we wanted, you know, like we have a vision for the family and I put in the time in chess and, and he was very patient too. Um, and it was time for us to go do something else, like move to a next chapter for the family. So um, that was, you know, Obisauce is part of it. So we were like, yeah, you know, pandemic, you know, we're at home and he has extra capacity now that he doesn't have to go travel as much. And I kind of too, and, and, you know, like I'm not doing chess anymore um, for now, like, because I've actually paused the organization and it's actually going to be a foundation for another business that I'm, that is starting. It's a Haitian business. And um, I can't talk that much about it, but, but I'll say that it's going to be a rum business. Um, and it's, it's another family business. I'm working with my brother by blood and brothers by, from other mothers who are um, Haitian and Caribbean. So it's a, a pleasure to find myself in two startup worlds, but, it, but re regarding Obi sauce, my husband's been making this hot sauce for years at home and he loves to cook. He, um, he has lived a really cool life that he doesn't like me to talk much about because he's a very <laughs> private person, but he's done a lot of really cool things. Um, grew, born and grew up for part of his childhood in Cameroon, then moved to France to join his mother who had married a Frenchman who is a chef and grew up in the kitchen around his his dad and um, and acquired these skills and love for cooking. So he cooks a lot at home and um, and then loves to make things. And the hot sauce became a condiment that he was making. And part of why he was he started making it was because we had health goals and we were finding we we're managing certain um, you know like health um, uh, conditions. And so he was looking for what is how do we make something that's anti-inflammatory and that's delicious because the stuff that we loved was delicious but very inflammatory for the body and creating inflammation in the body and wasn't healthy for us and so that's how that started and for years years and years he's been making that and everyone comes over they try to get um, a bottle to go home or some some or else they'll say put it why don't you sell it and I was just like oh well I mean, we don't know. And so essentially um, with the capacity last year, we're like, let's just try it. So we, we, you know, I took my Babson skills and testing the market and, and putting the samples together, getting, mailing them out and um, getting people to give us feedback. And we're like, whoa, mm -hmm. people like it. And then people were asking us to sell it. To mm -hmm. us. So then we're like, geez, we got to get this you know, if we're going to sell it, we got to make sure we're legit and we're yeah. safe, right? We don't want anyone suing us. And so then we got the proper certificates where to now in a kitchen and everything. And 
And we've been making them by batches and trying to figure out, well, how do we really actually want to launch it? So we're very much in the early stages and, you know, figuring out how this fits into everything else that's going on in our family too. But it's been very fun. Like we've actually sold like over a hundred bottles in like, I don't know, like how, how long has it been now? Three months? I don't know. Yeah. It's like three plus, uh, yeah, around three months. But yeah, most, like we sold like, is, I, I don't want to mis, misstate, but like nearly a hundred, at least around a hundred in, in our three months of launching. So it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. And I think the, the other products that will probably come along the way. And it's always, it's always good to start somewhere and um, just pretty cool. So, I mean, I'll just even include the link of the company or just Thank like, you. Uh, maybe the name change would be something else, but Congratulations. Yeah. That's that's a big news to just drop in the middle of a... <laughs> I shout out the presses. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe we'll look back on this episode. Oh, that'll be amazing. I know. I know. <laughs> no, but I know uh, you were really kind enough to make time out of your business schedule to come here. So thank you so much for sharing about everything. Um, and beyond everything, from the lessons you've shared and the companies you have been, you're working on, and your job at MIT, working on this very uh, interesting, amazing program. I think you call it pract, pragmat, pract, practic, academic. Academic, yes. Pragmatic is good too. I like that word. We're all so, about that word. <laughs> it sounds very practical. Uh, uh, I, I'm really grateful. So, and beyond that, the intangibles that you have. I, I do think uh, we need it now in this world and it would definitely be your presence makes a difference. So thanks for being here. and Thanks for sharing your story. Jacob, thank you <laughs> for being here and thank you for being you. Iron shop sharpens iron. So um, you are a gem and I know that everyone who I know meets you says that about you. And it's, it, I'm, I think one of the, blessings of Babson was to meet you so thank you for doing what you do for being who you are and um, I'm I'm blessed to know you thank you so much you are my man so thank you (laughs) thank you all right thank you thank you (laughs) bye guys